good news. We're delighted about that. And uh, so it looks as if you're going to have Pappy for another little while, you two girls, <laughs> to shout at you. <laughs> All right. So we're going to receive the offering. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. The end there, Clifford. Uh, Jesus' uh, name above all names is very appropriate for the message tonight because that's the title of the message, although we haven't talked about that. Jesus' name above all names. Now from Jesus' birth in Bethlehem until his baptism in Jordan, that first 30 years of his life has largely went unnoticed lived in virtual obscurity, except for that one occasion, of course, when it was mentioned that he was in the temple when he was 12 years old and he was disputing with the learned gentlemen and the doctors in the temple. His life in Nazareth, from childhood all the way through manhood, has been described often as the silent years. Uh, their scriptures record nothing about that. However, from his baptism at Jordan until his crucifixion at Calvary, his name was destined to become a household name in all Israel. It was a name that would be on the lips of everyone, in every home, every workplace, every strata of society, from the beggar in the street, uh, to Herod in his palace, to the high priest in his temple, Everyone was speaking that name. It was on everyone's lips. Now, of course, along with the popularity, eventually came the persecution. And this opposition had been growing. And the more popular Jesus became in the street, the less popular he became in the synagogue. And it came to the place where the line was clearly drawn, and in just three and a half years, his name became the most revered and the most mocked, the most loved and the most hated name in all Israel. And I suppose the high tide, as it were, of his popularity, and that time when his name was held above all, it was in that moment when the multitudes welcomed him coming into Jerusalem riding upon a donkey. And they waved their palm branches and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. But now with the scribes and the Pharisees, the persecution and the opposition has come to such a pitch that they're no longer shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're shouting, Barabbas, Barabbas. Leave us, Barabbas. Multitudes are gone now. Where are all those people? Where are all those ones that Jesus had touched their lives? Where is everyone that he healed? Where are all those that he had met their need? Where is everyone that he had come across, that he had counseled and blessed and touched? None of them were there. Even one of his closest and dearest friends, Peter, actually denied that he ever knew him. And not only that, but even one of his disciples, one of his apostles actually, betrayed him and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And so now he's scorned 
ridiculed, rejected by men, and hated. And now they crucify him. And Pilate puts an inscription above his cross, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, designed to rile those Jews, designed to embarrass them, to affront them. And it worked. Jesus of Nazareth, the despised place, Nazareth, the despised Galilean. Then he died and they buried him. Sealed him in a tomb. Surely that would be the end of him. Surely his name would be forgotten in a few days. Like all those other false messiahs that had risen up in Israel. That were no longer gone out of history. That's what they felt and that's what they thought and that's what they hoped. But then came the glorious resurrection. Three days, Jesus rose again according to the Scriptures. And in just 40 days, 120 had Jesus' name upon their lips. 500 that saw Him after they rose out of their graves had Jesus' name upon their lips. And just 10 days after the 40 and the 50th day on the day of Pentecost, now 3,000 people has His name upon their lips. And all Jerusalem is once again talking about Jesus of Nazareth. After Pentecost, the name of Jesus would play a much more significant role in the life of the church. It was a pivotal point. The name of Jesus actually would take the place of the risen, resurrected, ascended Lord. His name now took His place. That name is the most significant thing in the book of Acts. Everywhere that Jesus would have personally went and would have been glorified by His personal presence has now been replaced by His name. And the early church realized this pretty quickly. And everywhere they would go, they would always, always, always speak about that name. That name on the lips of Peter would be like the rod of God in the hand of Moses in the Old Testament. Let's have a little look just in a couple of portions in the book of Acts where that name became so prevalent and significant. Of course, in Acts chapter 1, where it begins... Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And of course, as you continue on in Acts chapter 2, Peter's now preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he quotes verse 16, But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, which shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my Spirit in all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being deter delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And he goes on down. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, that every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 3, that wonderful miracle at the beautiful gate. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. You see, Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And of course he rose up and he was leaping and he was dancing and he was praising God. And then of course there was a whole inquest about that afterwards, wasn't there? And Peter explains to these who were arguing against it. But you, verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of whom we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And then in chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested. And they were quizzed and questioned in verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, 
If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom, you, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you. This is the stone which the builders was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Neither is salvation in neither is salvation in nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And if you read on down in verse seventeen, uh, so after they had rebuked them, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no more in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor to teach in the name of Jesus. And of course, Peter prays for boldness, doesn't he? And then he goes on to say, Now, Lord, look on, your, look on their threats, this verse 29, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And on it goes. In fact, in chapter 5, Gamaliel, who was a, a great leader and teacher uh, among the Pharisees, he gave them some advice because they were fighting against the disciples. And he warned them. Verse 38, Now I say to you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. When they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And you can follow that thread all the way through the book of Acts. And so in his physical bodily absence, his name and as soon as they bring his name into the equation in their minds, they believed it's as good as him being right here. If we speak his name, if we trust and believe in his name, and as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see how that his name became the clarion call. It became the war cry on their lips as he went through the length and the breadth of the land. What do we have through the name of Jesus? We have salvation, haven't we? Nor is there any other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And that's the uniqueness of Christ, isn't it? No other religion, no other religious leader, no one, only Jesus. It may sound intolerant. It may sound as if somehow or other that we're not being very kind to others, but that's not the case. The case is there is only one, and there's only salvation through one name. And you and I are blessed to have discovered that there are millions upon millions upon millions who's never even heard the name of Jesus. So we're blessed that we know him, that he has saved us. Matthew one twenty one, and you shall call his name Jesus, which is Savior. 
for he will save his people from their sins. Romans 10, 13. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. And so every preacher of the gospel must make it absolutely abundantly clear that there is only one way and there's only one man and there's only one name whereby we can come to God and receive salvation. And that is that matchless name of Jesus. Thank God for his name. There's healing in his name. There's healing in his name. And as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see again and again and again. And every time somebody was healed, they attributed it to the name of Jesus. Because when they said his name, they were speaking of him. And so they accounted every miracle to Jesus. The Bible tells us, Jesus admonished us, that we can lay hands upon people in his name. Now, it's not abracadabra. It's not some magical name. It's knowing that we are his representatives on earth. And knowing that when we pray for those that we pray for, that if we lay hands on them, we do it in Christ's name, in his stead. Now, I wish... I wish we were seeing the miraculous to the degree that we saw it in the book of Acts. I wish we were seeing it to the degree that we're seeing it in many other third world nations. Fact is, in the Western country, we're not. Maybe our unbelief has something to do with that. Maybe we don't take it simply enough. It seems to be in third world nations where the gospel is pure where the gospel is fresh, where the gospel is new, where they have never yet heard it, it seems to be it's much easier believed. And maybe that is the case because maybe we have lost our childlike spirit and attitude when it comes to believing. Another wonderful thing we have in his name is access to the Father in prayer. In John chapter 16, Jesus is about to leave his disciples. Of course, they had him for three and a half years, physically with them. Whatever they needed, whatever they wanted, they could ask him. He was there in the flesh. But he's about to go. In verse 21, he says, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Unto now you have asked nothing in my name. You didn't need to. I was here. Unto now you have asked nothing in my name, but now ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So we have access to the Father in Jesus' name. We come to the Father in Jesus' name and we ask the Father in Jesus' name. And if we do, He will grant 
if we understand that we're coming and our access to the Father is through Christ and through his name. What a password into heaven that is. That we can just speak his name and instantly and immediately we're in the presence of the Father God. Isn't it wonderful we can do that? When you think what the Old Testament saints had to do even to get remotely close to God. And even that, there was a great gulf between them. And yet, because of what Christ has done for us, all we have to do is even whisper that name. And immediately, we're in the presence of the Father God. That is just wonderful, that we have such access, something that we never should take for granted, something that we should not esteem lightly because that came to us at great price. It cost Christ everything on the cross to give us direct and open and eternal access right to the very Father's throne. And we're the only ones on earth who's got that. Those who have come by faith in Christ. And that's the wonderful thing that we've got that access We've also got victory over satanic powers. And just coincidentally, uh, we read this morning from Luke chapter 10, and I'll just briefly read that again. Verse 17, that was speaking on something else. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. To think that demonic powers are subject to to us in Jesus' name is incredible. It really is incredible. Because these are supernatural beings that has great power. And yet, a simple believer with the name of Jesus has got power over that. I think that's powerful in itself. In Acts chapter 16, <coughs> this is about Paul and Silas. So verse 16 of Acts 16, not happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. That's why you shouldn't be bothering going to fortune tellers and all that stuff. Hope that you're not. Well, I trust that believers wouldn't. Some people's curious about these things and they get involved and it's highly dangerous. Leave yourself open to all kinds of things. Possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us 
and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when the masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they dragged Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace and to the authorities. Paul took authority over that spirit of divination and cast it out. That, by the way, set a whole chain of events that led to them being put in prison. And then the jailer got saved. And the church in Europe was born. In Acts chapter 8, there's a great revival going on in Samaria. Under Philip's ministry. Verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice come out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Remember years ago, uh, being in the company of the great T.L. Osborne, for many, many years, uh, preached in India particularly, uh, to massive, massive multitudes of people. Uh, and he said, uh, there was a few pastors at that time we were talking to him, and we quizzed him uh, about how do you handle such crowds of people need prayer? He says, well, here's what I do. I just preach the word. And he says, as I'm preaching the word to that mass congregation, he says, the Spirit of God's moving. And he says, devils are being cast out and screaming out all over the place all the time. And we said, does that not put you off? He says, not one bit. He says, there's plenty of elders and all kinds of people to take them out and deal with. He says, I just keep preaching the word. And he says, the devils just keep crying out. Of course, he says, witch doctors and all kinds of people come. And all kinds of people into all kinds of cults come. He says, I just keep preaching the word. He says, he says what can you do with 200,000 people? <laughs> all of them preach the word. And he says, then it all just begins to happen. He says, that's why many times we never even get healing lines. He says, people's getting healed all over the place. Hmm. He says, I don't give them any more attention than they need. <laughs> he says, I just keep preaching the word. And the devils cry out. He says, no way they go. Hmm. Victory over satanic powers in the name of of Jesus. Of course, as old dear Alex Schofield, a great old saint that many of you know in here, one of his favorite phrases was, you've got to be living white and spitting white. Got to be living right and spitting white. <laughs> that was his famous statement. In other words, if you're going to get involved in that, make sure you're living right. Remember the sons of Sceva? They tried to cast devils out, and the, devils, the man of the devils jumped on them, seven of them, and sent them out of that house, beaten up. They said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? <laughs> ah. Victory over satanic powers. Well, then there's authority to use the name of Jesus. Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, all power and all authority 
is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. Go you therefore. Greatly implying that as we go therefore, we are going in his authority, in his name. Making disciples. Doing all that is required under the authority and in his name. Now, of course, if all that's happening, there's going to be opposition because of the name of Jesus. And we mentioned that earlier, and you see it in the book of Acts. As soon as that name is mentioned, something rises up, doesn't it? Isn't it interesting today? You can talk about anything on television, anything in politics, but when you start to talk about Jesus, it's off limits. It's out of bounds. Whether that is now in government, whether that's in schools, whether that's in universities, whether that's even in courts of law, anywhere the name of Jesus would be mentioned in prayer. In fact, sometimes... I don't know whether it's going to happen here or not. There's some tensions arising, and there'll probably be more of it. Uh, most councils open in prayer. Uh, I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think in Westminster that uh, I think it's open in prayer too, but there's people who's against it. And they said, well, if you're going to pray, then you've got to pray for all the faiths. So you can't mention the name of Jesus. Wouldn't care who you mention. You mention Buddha if you like. Mention Muhammad. You mention Hare Krishna. Just don't mention the name of Jesus. There is some spirit in this world that just rises up against that name. Why is it that that is the only name that's used for a swear word? Of all the religious leaders has ever been, why is it that one name is used as a swear word? Why do you think that is? Because Satan hates that name. Hates it and wants to decry it, and wants to denounce it, and wants to diminish it, and wants to make it a byword. But it's not going to happen, because that name will stand. When all other names are gone, the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that one day that every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That name that's being blasphemed, Everyone that blasphemes at one day will have to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> what a name. What authority. What power. What access to the Father is in that name. And so whenever we pray, whenever we pray to the Father, Recognize that we come to him in Jesus' name. That's why we say that, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Because that's our access. That's our right into his presence. That's how we can do that. We can't come into God's presence other than that. And once you whisper that name, you're right there at the very throne. And it's wonderful, isn't it? Do you ever feel afraid? You ever lie in a bed some night and you felt that there was some dark power had come against you? And you're almost speechless. Has that ever happened to some of you? I know it has. And the only thing you can do is whisper that name. 
<laughs> and when you whisper that name, that thing goes. It can't stand the name. Amen. Clifford, we sang earlier, Jesus' name above every name. And I want us in a moment to sing it again in closing. If you could all do that for us, that would be wonderful because it's very fitting to what we have said tonight. And we want to honor his name, don't we? So do you realize tonight the power and the authority that you've got in your Savior's name? Do you understand that tonight? I fully understand that tonight. I think sometimes we only understand it a tiny little bit. I think if we fully, completely understood it, I think it would revolution our whole Christian life, but at least if we understand it to some degree, to that degree, then there's power in that name, amen? There's power in that name. Every time I go in to visit a hospital or a home or somewhere, I always pray in the way that, Lord, I go in your name. As your representative, I go in your name. And I encourage you to do that. You go to witness to some family member, say, Lord, I'm going in your name. I'm your representative today. I'm just going to speak in your name. And when you do that, you get a sense that he's with you. And he's working with you. And he's come alongside to help you. Amen. All right, Clifford, what I want you to do, I want you to sing that, and then I want you just to praise out at the end, all right? Just as you feel led, uh, and just do that. And don't forget what's coming this week, what's ahead, Friday night, youth. The, uh, by the way, there's no prayer meeting this Thursday night because of the mystery convention, because somebody's out Tuesday night, then you're out on Thursday night, and you're out on Friday night, and it's just, there's only so many nights of the week you can, are available, so... We'll put that off for this week and then we'll be back to normal the next Thursday night. We're having lovely times of prayer and it's lovely to come and to meet together and to pray. Amen? Okay, Clifford, come on ahead. <laughs>